Welcome to The Table, uh, a podcast and now video podcast produced by the good people of Pulpit Rock Church. Yes, I am totally stealing from Thomas Thompson, one of uh, the hosts of uh, this season. Uh, we're here live on YouTube. We'll be back uh, with the podcast tomorrow um, talking about change and the things that have changed that and how do we as the church and as Christians sort of react to that. So uh, with me, as always for this season, we have uh, Jonathan Cleveland. Uh, Susie Bates, Kyle Collins, Hi. and uh, my co-host for this episode, Thomas Thompson. So, Thomas, what are we talking about specifically as it relates to change in this episode? Well, one of the things that's, that's changed in our culture, and uh, we don't like the change sometimes, and we wish we could fight it or change it, make it go back, but it's not going to happen, I think. And so the topic is biblical illiteracy. Mm. When I say those two words, what are some of your initial thoughts on what that means? Not understanding the Bible. Okay. Mm -hmm. I, it, it brings to mind what something you guys said in the episode or the season on the Bible is just that the, the Bible, you really can understand it. Anyone can understand parts of it, but there is some trickiness to really knowing like what all of Scripture means or what it all says. And so like I think it's just it, it speaks to that inability to maybe navigate some of the trickier pieces of the Bible. Mm -hmm. okay. I, uh, I kind of think of ours, you know, uh, just kind of the Christian culture, at least online, of using scriptures wildly out of context because it happens to support. <laughs> we don't necessarily sure. understand does the whole of, the, of the, the passage we're using, but this one piece of it seems to support our point, and so I'm going to use this as a, as a sticking point. Yeah, I, I, the word fluency popped into my mind of just that when I'm really fluent in something, what I can do is I can bring it to bear. I can say exactly what I mean and how I mean it. Mm -hmm. And I think with biblical literacy, there's maybe some understanding of some things about the Bible, but it's also got a lot of other stuff mixed into it. Um, and so even just the ways we navigate, I, you know, I feel like it says something like this. I heard that somewhere and maybe that was a poster that I saw or maybe that was the Bible or maybe it was a mm -hmm. quote on a blog. Uh, but you know, that biblical literacy, it's, it's that lack of fluency to really be able to say, this is what the word says. This is how I find it. This is how I mean it. This is how I bring it to bear on the world around me and unto my circumstances mm. in this moment. Like the uh, God helps those who helps themselves, which appears <laughs> in right. no book, no chapter, no verse. Second hesitations. It's in there somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so. You know, literacy, it talks about the ability to read. So what, when we say biblical literacy, we're not saying people can't read the Bible. Or right. don't, but it, it's more, I like your word, fluency. It's awareness. Oh, it's, um, I was talking with a missionary yesterday who does church planting in different cities. And he said, for years, we talked about planting in post-Christian cities, post-Christian cities. And he goes, but now we're starting to talk about just planting in secular cities because mm -hmm. we're going to places where there really never was a Christianity that was there and really never was an awareness of the Bible. And that, that made me think about this topic today because um, biblical illiteracy has always been something that uh, many of us went to seminary or became pastors to fight. Like, we'll... We'll just teach the Bible and if we could get more people to know the Bible. But I think the shift that's happened is uh, a few things. Uh, number one, our culture at large is just more unfamiliar with the Bible than ever. What does it actually say? What does it not say? I, I think a second thing is our culture is seeing the Bible through the lens of just how Christians talk about it. Mm -hmm. So they're getting it secondhand and right. that, that they're getting it through our own filters and our own biases and 
And sometimes there's people like you, you and I see there on Facebook that are using the Bible or social media, or whatever. And you're like, ah, don't, don't say yeah, that. Please don't say that. Yeah. But then everyone's, you know, assuming that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And then I think one, one final thing about that is the Bible is actually more available right now mm-hmm. than at any point in history, in the, in the history of mankind. And that's great and also bad because when people want, maybe they'll do something jam like, like, Hey, does the Bible help, you know, what does it say about this topic? And they're just going to get all this unfiltered content about the Bible that may not actually be close to what's being said. Mm-hmm. So those are some things I see when I say that we're shifting into biblical literacy. Do you guys, what are some implications you're seeing? Well, with the next generation, I remember going to church as a kid, as a teenager, going to youth group. I would bring my actual hard copy of my Bible. That was the only way I had access to it. And now the kids are just using their phones, which Mm is awesome. We've really lowered the hurdle of like um, it being appealing for a young person to dig into the Bible. But they can just search like they can just search the exact scripture they're looking for. Mm -hmm. Whereas I I actually remember doing Bible drills and I understand where the scriptures are. in the I know how to find them. Um, and, and this next generation might not because they're not used to actually holding the real Bible. Mm-hmm. I think as someone who teaches, like I remember that too, the sword drill where you, it was a contest to see who could find the obscure the scripture quickest. the fastest. I had the tabs to right. make it even yeah, faster. So you get to, and then you stand up and you read it, first person to yeah. read it. Um, and like when you're trying to teach, of course, it is helpful if people know like, hey, here's where that book is or I can turn mm-hmm. to that, that passage. But but I think there's a deeper level of this. It's not just that people don't understand the basics of like how the Bible was put together and that sort of thing. But but there's this confusion maybe about just what authority the Bible might even have. And right. uh, mm-hmm. the, like if the Bible says it, does that settle it? Or maybe it doesn't settle it in my mind. And you, you have to realize as someone who teaches that you're just you're speaking to people who have a very diverse perspective on what the Bible is, on why we would listen to it, um, and it's not just that they don't know where to find Ezekiel. You know uh, that might be one issue, but it is also that they just they may not have a concept of how the Bible would even speak to them or fit right. into their life. Well, and it's, it's interesting because uh, I th- I feel like it, one of the pieces that you just described was context and just living in the West. People have context that they have built up around the Bible, whether that's true or false. It appears in our media. It appears in music and paint and paintings and other forms of art. It appears in TV shows and it appears on social media all the time, just depending on how we're using it. And so they have built up this context around what the Bible says, what it means, what what it's trying to say about culture or maybe themselves that has nothing to do with actually what the Bible says. They're just reacting to sort of this image of the Bible that they have absorbed through cultural osmosis. Well, that was the thing I was thinking about when you talked about biblical literacy. I think one of the dangers is not, well, I don't, you know, fully understand all the nuance of the Bible where to find things, but it's that I might actually misunderstand the purpose of the Bible. Like, what is it that the Bible is meant to do in my life? And when I come into it with the wrong idea that it's, you know, it's how I ought to behave in the world. And so here's a list of rules. Um, if that is what it is, then I'm going to read things into it and I'm going to see things into it that maybe aren't there. And I, I think for me, I understood the Bible that way growing up, that it was mm. more of a rule book of do these things and this is the moral way to live and your behavior will please God and you will, you know, whatever. And I, I think what has changed for me is understanding the Bible instead as this 
revelation of Jesus and, and that it is, it's doing two things. It's revealing something about myself. And so it's a lens by which to see myself and it's revealing something about God and, and helping me to behold and see Jesus. And that revelation of myself and of him is actually informing all sorts of things for my life. Mm-hmm. But if I don't understand that that's part of what God's word has been designed to do, then I mean, it's, it's not helpful to me in the ways that it ought to be. It is just kind of guidelines and rules and shame and behavior and all of these other things. Um, it's one of the dangers of not understanding what God's Bible is for is that we maybe mishandle it, misuse it and, and direct us in the wrong way. Well, there, there, there's definitely been a shift in, in good ways and bad ways. And, and I was thinking about something Jonathan said about the Bible says in JM. And I talked about this in an earlier season that there was a day when a, a man could stand in a football stadium that was completely packed and on TV all over the country and the world, Billy Graham. And he would just say, the Bible says, and and there was authority and weight there now. Hmm. And and it shifted now to, we don't know what the Bible says. And even if we know what the Bible says, what does that mean? Is that even you know, have relevance for us? And so I think um, one of the themes of the season is this. We can either lament that change and be angry about it and not change the way that we are going to respond. Or we can say, okay, this is an opportunity for us to reintroduce God's word in new ways. Hmm. And so um, I think... I think the Bible itself actually gives us some help here. And I was thinking about maybe four different things we could kind of get into a little bit on how, how does the Bible help us think about the topic of biblical illiteracy? Hmm. And uh, the first thing I thought about was just going to Jesus Christ. And one of the things that we see him do often is he will prioritize scripture. Hmm. He will, I mean, one classic one is the conversation about what are the greatest commandments? And Jesus did not say, well, they're all equally great. Right. No, I mean, the, the Bible's all you know true and it's all equally helpful and great, all that stuff. But Jesus was saying, no, there's a prioritization here. There are things that are more important. Hmm. And there's a term you use, Jonathan, a lot, um, theological triage. Yeah. Unpack that a little bit. Of it. Yeah, it's, it's just the idea of how do you uh, prioritize what we believe. And I think that, you know, we, we have all probably experienced the moments that are really awful and uncomfortable where people are fighting over something that we would say, that's not worth breaking relationships over, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, theological triage would just say, how do we keep the first things first? And it comes from kind of the medical concept of triage that if you have a whole bunch of sick people or injured people, those who are about to die are the ones that you treat first, right? And I think similarly with theology, it's you have a whole bunch of beliefs and there's all sorts of things that we would say that we believe or that the Bible teaches, but there's a handful that are kind of life and death, really important things. And that's what we would put at the top. Hmm. Yeah. So it's confusing to people sometimes when we, we take things that Jesus would say, no, that's a little bit more at the bottom. And we elevate them and say, no, they're at the same level. It's confusing for people, I think, to understand. So what is important? And if we can be more unifying around prioritizing, hey, no, this is what's most important. And we'll we'll have discussions here, but we're not going to argue about these. We're not going to lead with these. We're really going to center on what is the priority. So that's a helpful thing for, I think, parents to even think through as well. Like, if you have your kids, what are you, how are you going to prioritize what's important? In God's word. Right. So, so that's one thought on that, Jim. Oh, I was just going to say, so what is, so what is, uh, what scriptures do, are you bringing uh, to our discussion here to kind of help us navigate forward? 
with this. I think Matthew 22, 36 through 40 is that conversation where Jesus says, um, this is the, the, the commandment that is first. This is the commandment that is second. Yeah. All of the law, all of the prophets hang on these two things, that you are to love God and that you are to love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. I love God as you, and, and do that. And that's a very prioritization thing mm -hmm. for me. It helps me to say, am I living out these things because all the law and prophets hang on this. And that means I can, if, if I elevate some of these other law or prophet verses over this, I've got it reversed. Mm -hmm. right. yeah. These hang on this, not the other way around. Yeah. Well, and I love the way that that, uh, you think about literacy or illiteracy, like there's a literacy to understanding how to read the Bible that just says, hey, there's some really important stuff. And then there's people working that out into their lives biblically. And so we're, we're going to understand the difference between that. I think that's a gift that we can give people mm -hmm. um, as opposed to let us teach you where all the books of the Bible are, but teaching them just that simple concept that Jesus brings to it of right. the law and the prophets hangs on these mm -hmm. two commands. Mm -hmm. um, but well, and the, the other gift of that is it gives an anchor that all of a sudden I have a lens to look at scripture through mm -hmm. rather than bringing my own lens and looking at scripture through mine. And, you know, I mean, we've all, maybe not all, I certainly have been guilty of, Hey, I'm thinking about this thing, and so I'm going to do a Google search, or I'm going to do a word search on this kind of idea. One, there's a context issue there too, but I already have a predetermined lens that I'm looking for something to confirm this thing that I am trying to say instead mm -hmm. of how do I look at and use this lens of Scripture to really understand the rest of Scripture. Uh, and it's a safeguard for us to keep us from kind of getting off. So a second thing I think that's that's helpful for us is, is realizing, okay, we're engaging more and more as believers with a culture that knows less and less about the Bible and how to use it. And and one thing that I saw in Scripture is in Acts 17, Paul tells the whole story. Hmm. And it's easy for us to kind of have this concept of, well, we're going to be in Galatians 2. Well, everyone knows the story of Galatians. Everyone knows what Galatians is. And, and I think we have to kind of back up and take a little more time and be a little mm -hmm. more patient with, um, for example, so we're going to turn into Galatians this morning. Now, Galatians is a letter, and it was written by, and during this time, and begin mm -hmm. to, to orient people to where we are in the text. And even taking a step back, I mean, what, what Paul did is he, he stepped back and he, he explained the resurrection and the purpose of it, but he started way back mm -hmm. and said, let me pull you all into how this whole thing has gone. And the more we can help, this is to your point about what the, the Bible's revelation. It's also just one big story. Mm -hmm. And we, it's so easy for us just to dive in. Mm -hmm. And so I, little tweaks, like even to say, hey, we're going to be in the gospel of Mark. You know, Mark was a follower of Jesus, just grounding that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think we sometimes forget that the people we're talking to don't always know yeah. where this fits in the story. And why is it even important that we're talking about Galatians? Why, is, why are we studying that? What does that have to do with my marriage or life today? Acts 17. So you, you just did that. Acts 17. Yes. We all know Acts 17, right? <laughs> we, we may not. So do you want, give us just the brief right, outline? Right. That's the Mars Hill conversation. Yeah. It's where uh, this guy, Paul, gets to get up in front of a group of people, and he begins to set, he gets an audience in front of them, and he's looking around at all their, their idols and their statues, and he kind of gets inspired and says, let me, let me unpack for you this God that you do not know. Mm-hmm. Let me, let me unpack the whole story of how we got here and why my message has importance. And he, he kind of walks them through history to get to this point of the crucifixion, resurrection of Christ. Well, and I think that's the difference, too, between like truth and actual revelation. You can say something that is true and I might receive it. It might just go into this. There's lots of 
things that I've heard that are true, right? It doesn't change me. It doesn't affect mm-hmm. my heart in the same sorts of ways. But when you can take that truth and fold it into like a, a larger arc of story and mm-hmm. connect it, all of a sudden that has the power to to really change me. And I think that's what we have to be fluent or literate in for people to, to help them see that this has bearing on our lives and we want to help you connect these things, mm-hmm. that this isn't just truth that we the truth does itself doesn't just change us by understanding it. It's that truth being brought to bear in ways in our life that we go, oh, that's who God is. That's who I am. That's how I fit into the bigger story of, you know. So yeah. Yeah. And Jesus was always the perfect example of that mm. when he taught. Yes. He always did that, told a story, like drew you in. Um, he didn't just start. And point one of my Sermon on the Mount today is like he, <laughs> he drew right. people in with um, how they can see themselves in the story he's talking about. I think that's part of the hope in this um, is that we're leaving the days where people are like, yeah, I know the Bible and how it's put together. But those are much more familiar to the days that like Jesus and the disciples and the way they operated. And when their focus was, hey, what's most important is that you know the story of God, not that you have the scriptures nailed down, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I, I think there's we still can be incredibly effective because what is most important is that they know the story of God, mm-hmm. not just that they understand facts about the Bible and, and are literate in that sense. Yeah. And that, that kind of relates to this third thing that uh, I've been trying to practice and think through. Um, in 1 Corinthians, which Jonathan is a book of the Bible. <laughs> Thank you. That's it's helpful. in the New Testament. That's helpful. Uh, in, <laughs> There's two Testaments? In 1 Corinthians, uh, Paul is writing a letter and he says, Here, here's the thing that's of first importance. Wow, that's a, most important. That Jesus Christ died for our sins, as the scripture said, and he rose again, as the scripture de- uh, said. And he's kind of making this connection, I think, between um, the Bible and this historical event. And I think sometimes we get it a little reversed. We actually start with the Bible and say the Bible tells us these events. But our our faith is grounded in an actual event that happened. And it, it's so grounded that... Elsewhere, Paul says, if that event did not happen, then everything you've done and believed is a lie mm-hmm. and you are foolish. Mm-hmm. And so we, whenever we can, I think we want to go back and ground what we, when we talk about the Bible in, in the historical reality of what was happening. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we can do that in ways of, by explaining who these people were, um, uh, talking about the times they were in. But it's, it's really it's something, Jan, you and I have talked about before mm-hmm. that um, before we had the Gospels, there was an event mm-hmm. and there was a story and it was being told and told and told. Yeah. And at some point they started realizing, Hey, the people who were at this event, they're dying off. Yeah. We, we better, we better capture this event somehow. And then that's how we got the gospel. So it wasn't just mm-hmm. people sitting around in a room being dictated to by God. These are people who decided this historical event has to be captured so that people will continue to believe mm-hmm. and that. So the events drove the scripture. So mm-hmm. whenever we can, how do we help people ground it into mm-hmm. History. Gosh, that's, that's so hopeful. I, I think that it, that just gives me a lot of hope. Um, there was a day when nobody had that Bible, right? Yeah. And yeah. the gospel was still moving forward. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, there was a day when no one needed that Bible right. because they could just say, "Well, Peter was there." Peter tells that right. story again. Of yeah. When, well, one last thing I think that that might be helpful for us is um, throughout the Gospels, the stories of Jesus, the words of Jesus. He, he has a phrase he used often. You have heard it said. Mm-hmm. What comes to your mind when you when you remember times that he said, you have heard it said? 
it, it often follows, like a correction follows. Yeah. He's like, you've heard it said, but let me like say it to you turn. this way. And so, yeah, yeah, often it is, I'm affirming something that maybe, but I'm actually going to redirect it in a way that, you know, maybe you don't expect. Mm -hmm. It's usually uh, saying like, here's what you have, you have done and practiced and heard, and that's really surface level, and I really care about your heart. So let me mm. let me pull this deeper. It's mm. not just don't kill. It's right. don't be angry because then you committed murder in your heart. And it's sort mm. of it's sort of uh, that kind of uh, you know people look at at you and they're like, oh well, you're doing you're, you're doing well, you're doing good, but God's really looking at well, but why? What what is the heart of yeah. the matter here? Yeah. And, and Jesus was immersed in the what his scriptures would have been. He learned them as, I mean, as the author, of course, but he learned them as a human, as a boy. as a, And he was immersed in them. So he, had, he held scripture in very high regard. But he also knew that there was this thing called layers of bias, layers of teaching, layers of dust and layers of traditions and layers of Pharisees. And, and so it's kind of like he was saying, um, you have heard it said through all these things. But, but let's go back to what the core is. Mm -hmm. And I think a service that we can do to people is the very first thing I can do is admit, man, I've got a lot of layers and bias mm -hmm. and history. And, you know, I was born in the, the 70s in Dallas and that there's baggage and, and, and the kind of the context of how I got that. That's different than maybe someone who's born in Brazil and the way they approach. The, mm -hmm. So just to admit, we all come to the text with some kind of baggage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if we can admit that, um, what what that can begin to do is say, here's what here's what I believe about scripture. Here's my interpretation. My interpretation cannot be held in the same level as my belief about scripture. I, I need to hope, be a little more humble and a little more loose and a little more willing to listen. Mm -hmm. But you have heard it said to me is a phrase that says, well, we got to we got to kind of deconstruct and strip away because yeah. what we're believing is not maybe what God's heart was. It's more what someone told us or, mm -hmm. or how he felt to them. Yeah. Do you, where do you see bias like that creeping up in our use of scripture? That's a good question. I, I think that one of the biggest ones is just there, there is this assumption that uh, biblical literacy is like a virtue. And I would say it is, like it's a positive, it can be. Um, but the scriptures never call us to biblical literacy. They call us to follow Christ. And so I, I think that even just that within the church can be a bias that, that that those of us who know the Bible well, those of us who have studied it, somehow are better positioned to follow Christ, and that's not always true. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it is uh, the the poor person who knows one scripture but mm -hmm. follows it with yeah. all their heart uh, that is best positioned to follow Christ. And so I, I think that's a there's a layer of bias that, especially those of us who are educated, have to kind of get over to say the goal was not to be educated about the Bible. The goal was to follow Jesus. Mm, and that's true. why we have this, this text. Mm. The Bible's I, a means to an end. Yeah. 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 I, and I'm going to totally uh, butcher the quote, but I, I believe it was uh, St. Augustine who said that if you had perfect understanding of the language and you had perfect theological knowledge and your sermon or your writings did not lead people to a deeper love of God or others, then you have failed mm -hmm. as a, as a pastor and a teacher. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds good. I don't yeah, know if I you know. butchered it. But. <laughs> um, I think it was George W. Bush. <laughs> I, the thing about the bias though, just, just to throw in, I, th I think one of the obstacles to that that is uh, ahead of us is that there is a lot of fear 
in acknowledging that. And then for some people, I think to dismantle and start to pull layers, there's a question of what is left of what is truly true of God's Mm -hmm. word. If I take my prejudice and my bias and my lens and my agenda and this bad teaching that I heard and all these words of these other leaders who I've kind of taken as what is left there, um, the invitation is to a real understanding and, you know, Mm -hmm. all of that. But I think there's some fear involved in, Mm -hmm. as I start to do that hard work of peeling away, Ooh, like how, how much of that kind of falls off and what am I left remaining with? And that it does take some humility and courage to say, you know, Holy Spirit, guide me, direct me, lead me, help me do the hard work of sorting through and discerning mm-hmm. like what is what is truly here and what is what needs to be kind of mm-hmm. tossed away or at least held at, on a different level, you know. Well, yeah. oh, sorry, go ahead. well, I was just going to say, won't that journey look very different for each person? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that also, I think, can be very scary to church people who are like, yeah. um, wait, we're both we're both saying we're following Jesus, but you're doing this thing mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm not going to do that. Uh, it makes us uncomfortable. We're, we're less willing mm-hmm. to hold other people's stories and journeys open handed mm-hmm. and, and let the spirit do the work in their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in the interest of being kind of self-serving, that that's why a table is so important yeah. Yeah. because... Mm-hmm. Um, it's one thing to hear someone preach or watch a video or whatever, and there's no there's no opportunity for dialogue. But when you turn to the table, there's a chance to discuss and understand. And, and that's what we saw Jesus doing. Mm-hmm. Again, yeah. he didn't just do sermons on the mount. He right. would say, let's talk about yeah. this. What do you think it is? What do you think yeah. the most important commandment is? Like, like things, mm-hmm. He's inviting conversations to help people understand. Yeah, that's good. So, that's really good. Yeah, and I think, for Kyle, speaking to what you were saying, I, the you know, there are different denominations that hold tradition in different in different ways. But as we make this journey and we start pulling things away that, that may be baggage that we get put on, the hope is the promise that Christ said that not one jot or tittle of his word would disappear. So as we dig in, as we start letting the spirit guide us to throwing out, we cannot, if we approach this with honesty, I think, discard anything of importance because it's promised in scripture that mm. that that's our foundation. Like it's not, it's not going to go away. Um, well, I, I know our time's wrapping mm-hmm. up. I think, I think just to kind of frame this conversation, which I've really enjoyed is um, things have changed. The Bible and its role in, in culture have changed. Now we can either lament that or we can just dig in our heels or we can say, well, we're just going to teach the Bible more. And I think that the road that goes down is as people of church, people of faith is we're going to see the tribe of people that are here shrink. Yeah. yeah. You know, people who say, well, I'm, I'm kind of out. Or we can see this as an opportunity to adapt and say how it's kind of exciting. How are we going to, as this next generation, uh, take God's word and use it and follow it in ways that are going to help people move forward in the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And so we can, we can fall back or we can step into it. It's yeah. a good challenge. Yeah. Yeah. And recognize that that biblical literacy, that fluency, it's for us. Like it's it's not just for others that mm-hmm. we need that more than we have ever needed it to become more and more fluent and be able to bring it to bear in new ways mm-hmm. on a new culture. Well, thank you guys all for participating in this discussion around the table. Thank you for joining us. You can catch uh, the live broadcast of this on Pulpit Rock's uh, YouTube channel. Um, on Wednesday nights, you can also find it archived there. Or you, if you are listening on the podcast, that goes live the Thursday after that. If you want to dig in a little more to the topic of biblical literacy uh, and want to hear more of Thomas and my voices in your ears, you can check out season one of Welcome to the Table, where we just discuss the Bible, um, how to talk about it, you know, what it is, how did we get it. Uh, so that's another resource. If you are interested, you can go back and listen to it. Uh, but until next time, thank you for joining us at the table, and we will see you soon.